down in the grip of oppression I fought for my liberty I paid with the blood of my people Freedom has never been free Now my door's always open To dreamers and friends But when I'm attacked I protect and defend Because my name is America Welcome, everyone. This is Karen Show, and you're listening to the Prism of America's Education, brought to you on the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network with my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance. School is back. Florida is going through an election phase, as we all are. Session will not start until 2023, so things are quiet on that regard. But bills are being prepared. And that's what you have to take a look at in your county, in your town, in your state as well. What bills are going to be prepared? What are you going to be looking forward to? And once you have elected the people that you elect, you better do everything humanly possible to watch them. Because if you if you think that human nature is not going to make a mistake or is is going to always tell the truth. Think again, it doesn't work that way. So we have to be on top of our elected officials. We have to hold them to be accountable to what they say, and we want to see what their actions are. And when you talk to them, folks, always be courteous. That's most important. As my mom used to say, you get more flies with honey than with vinegar. So it's always important to be courteous, but treat them with respect, and they will treat you with respect. And when you go there, don't waste their time. Go there with a purpose and a solution. And that's what we seem to be missing. We are missing the solutions but we won't be missing them long because we have a wonderful guest. And the name of her show is Living the Solution. What could be more perfect? Dr. Elena George is here today to help us navigate a very, very important piece of what this government takeover has become and what it has done to the medical industry. Of course, uh, the hot button this week has been Dr. Fauci is leaving, thank God. Um, I guess we know where I stand when it comes to him. And the question is going to be, will our elected officials have the right Uh, have the chutzpah, have the balls, have the ability to say, no, we're not going to let you go until you come and speak to us and tell us about all of the things that you did. And after they learn all of the things that he did, I believe he belongs in jail, but that's another conversation. Dr. George, thank you so much for joining me today. You are a doctor, and I wouldn't even begin to say (laughs) what type so you're going to have to go there for that one. <laughs> no problem. I'm, I'm an otolaryngologist, which is an ear, nose, and throat surgeon. Ah, I knew that there was something in there, ear, nose, and throat, but 
<laughs> I never, I never really knew that that was the name for it. But my goodness, okay. What I was so interested and in, uh, so uh, pleased with joining you on your show, Living in the Solution. By the way, let's make sure everybody goes and listens to your show as well. Is that you understand that there is a political component to healthcare, or I shouldn't say there has become a political component to healthcare. And I think that Obamacare has done such a tremendous job of destroying what was a pretty damn decent healthcare. I'm beginning to see it. And I'm beginning to see the, what, what should I say? The fruits of our labor, i.e. affirmative action. I have, uh, my husband had a procedure. He, we needed to go to the doctor. We went to four, diff four different doctors. In each case, for whatever test, whatever was going on, he never saw the doctor. All he saw was a nurse practitioner, which is fine. But when you go to expect to see a doctor, you expect to see a doctor. And the paperwork was so incredibly mixed up and sloppy. And each office had something that was just not professional anymore. And I thought it was extremely sad, but they did tell us or tried to tell us that uh, we had to wear a mask. By the way, the doctor we went to that said we had to wear a mask was in Alabama, not in Florida. So we put our masks on our wrists and we said, fine, we'll wear our masks. And that's what we did. But do you see that, Dr. George? I, I'm so upset with the, the, I don't know, it's the people that they're just like, there's no regard for, for anything. It's just, you're just another name on the chart or a number. Not, there's no relationship. That's what it is. There's no relationship. Well, it's become a corporatized system. And I've been at the forefront of this, frankly, since I left medical school and went into residency and opened my own practice, we were the class that was at the beginning of the, uh, not Affordable Care Act, but the um, having co-pays and having the insurance companies run the system. I mean, it went from the doctor and patient deciding what went on in the office to a third party that inserted themselves between the doctor and the patient. And that was the insurance company. It was managed care. That's what I was looking for. The managed care system is, Obamacare is a managed care system on steroids, essentially. They did a dry run at the beginning of uh, 1981, 82, when the managed care system came online. And I remember when I first opened my practice, I was told by other physicians, you have to take insurance or patients won't come to see you. And that was the problem right there, that you had this third party who didn't have the best interests of the patient or the doctor in mind. Their whole job was to uh, divvy up the care. And I don't care what insurance you're talking about, except for maybe car, because it's pretty our life insurance, pretty straightforward. But their whole motive is to get a, get a premium and not pay out. That's a conflict of interest in the healthcare system if you really think about it. Because if you're paying a premium, you're expecting to get coverage. And if you read the small print on your card and you really ask them, they'll say very specifically that just because it's covered doesn't mean we're going to pay. 
And that's where this, uh, this disconnect starts. Everybody's doing what they're told. Doctors are coding like they're supposed to. Patients are paying their premiums and their co-pays. But when the rubber meets the road, when it comes down to what the doctor and the patient decide in terms of healthcare, that's where it's a whole different ballgame. And there's lots of times, and I can give you stories upon stories, where we've gone through the dotting I's, crossing T's, asking for pre-certification, doing the procedure, and then after the fact, the insurance company will come back and say, we're not covering it. And I'm an ENT. Wow. I don't do cancer care, but that happens to cancer patients. It happens throughout the healthcare system. That's the genesis of this. And politics comes into play because my mantra always is follow the money. Whoever has the pocketbook has the power. It used to be the patient. It's now the government and the insurance companies. I, that is a really frightening thing. And I can see that happening because I have heard from too many now, this would be cancer patients where they'll go and something is an indication of something. They'll go and they'll have their a test and they'll find out they have a small whatever. And mm -hmm. the doctor will say, we'll watch it. No, you shouldn't. You should take it out. <laughs> if it says cancer, what's the difference if it metastasizes today, tomorrow, six weeks from now, or 12 years from now? It doesn't make any difference. Eventually, something bad is going to happen. So why now you're making it understanding why they don't want to take it out because they want you in this perpetual care. And instead of curing patients, they're putting their patients on a, a, a continual perpetual needing of some kind of medication to be able to exist rather than maybe really finding the root of the problem and getting rid of the problem. I think that's the healthcare system in a nutshell. It's about management. It's not about healthcare. It's about control. And I wrote a book, seems like ages ago now, but it was, it's called Big Medicine, The Cost of Corporate Control, and how doctors and patients can work together to build a better system. But the corporate control part was the key. I mean, we're talking about an extremely powerful um, lobby group. The top five lobbyists up in D.C. are healthcare-related and insurance company-related. That says a lot, doesn't it? So they get to decide the legislation. They get to decide the policy. It's all about them being able to recoup and keep as much money as possible while they do lip service on the patient side. For example, HIPAA, which everybody thinks is about patient privacy, actually isn't. It's about who gets your information, and it's a very uh, convoluted system. Everybody gets to see it. And you would think that it's private, but it's not. The insurance companies get to see it under the Affordable Care Act. Various alphabet agencies get to see it. Because remember, when they started the Affordable Care Act, you had to be subsidized. Well, they had to make sure you were economically, um, you know, in the, in allowed to do it. So they had to know your your financial status was. So the whole healthcare system is really not private at all. It's very transparent in a way that patients don't know. There's a two-tier system that's come online, and I don't think patients really understand that. And it started years ago. It started with the managed care side of healthcare. When patients realized they couldn't see the doctors that they wanted, they had to go through gatekeepers, they rebelled, and they pulled back from having to go through your primary care and, you know, 
getting referrals to specialists, for example. Well, since that point, there's been a power shift. And I say it again, from the doctor and patient to hospitals and the corporate-driven healthcare system. And over that time, we've gone from maybe 90% of doctors being private practice, owning their own practices, to about maybe now there may be 20% of us left. The rest of the physician workforce has become employees of hospitals, or they sold their practice to hospitals. That was the beginning of the end, and that was the genesis of this two-tier system. People need to understand that when doctors sell their practices or they become employees, their fiduciary responsibility is to the hospital, not to the patient. They don't even set their own pay, pay schedule, or I should say a fee schedule. It's being driven by the hospital. So when you look at that and you see the volume that has to go through an office, hundreds of patients a day have to go through these offices in order to turn a profit, where in a private side, I'll spend an hour or more seeing my, my, my patients for the first visit. That's unheard of. The ag- actual average is about seven minutes per doctor visit now. There's no way you're getting healthcare in that type of system. And that's why we have nurse practitioners, physician assistants, all the allied health um, professionals that have come into the doctor patient room because they have to do that to get the volume up, right? They need to see 100 people a day. There's no way one doctor can do it, but you can divvy it up between the different allied healthcare professionals. And I would have to say, and it's not a, not a knock, it's just the facts, we're all trained differently. I took 10 years to become an ENT, and it takes maybe 18 months to become a physician assistant. I'm sorry, but they're not the same. So that that workforce, the amount, the breadth of knowledge is not the same. The experience is not the same. And that's what we're seeing now. It's cookbook medicine. It is algorithm driven, is no thought to it. The, the hospitals make the protocols and everybody just follows them or they leave. And that's not healthcare. So you were right on point when you mentioned the fact that there's a difference in you walking into these offices, it's very impersonal. Maybe even the doctors even look at you if they do come in. They're typing on a computer. Their back is to you. They're just taking your information or maybe a scribe took it. And they just write a prescription and they're out the door. And that's the difference between our healthcare systems in, in terms of care. But the cost is also different. I have the same price for my services I did when I opened. Maybe I raised maybe 15 bucks or 20 bucks but the hospitals are completely different. And I'm going to tell you a story. I had a patient to come in to see me last week who I needed to do an endoscopy on looking into their nose and throat. My fee was $3.95 for the entire visit, including the scope. And the patient came to see me as a second opinion because he wanted to do this in the hospital setting and they wanted to charge him $6,000 just for the scope. That's outrageous, right? So that's the difference. Okay. Patients need to become consumers because you can get better care and pay a fraction as opposed to going into the system where you're just a cost center. Oh, you are so right. Um, my husband was taken to the hospital because he has really bad allergies and he couldn't breathe. And that one day trip of which maybe if they saw him in the hospital for an hour total, that was a lot. And that mm-hmm. whole trip was over $3,000. <laughs> Not surprising. And, and, it, and I don't think he even saw a doctor. 
now that I'm thinking of it. And all and the other side of this, folks, understand if you put that together with what's going on in school and the fact that our kids can't read, write, and do math, and that programs like affirmative action push them ahead, whether or not they're capable of doing doing the job or don't even want to do the job. Maybe they want to do something else. They're not allowed to make those choices. And when you don't love your job, you don't put your extra effort in it. And I'm I believe that that's what we're seeing today in too many um, business settings. There's no appreciation. There's no respect. There's no even understanding of human life and what it is. And when you make a person the same as everybody else, which is what they're trying to do, you're taking away their dignity, you're taking away their curiosity, you're taking away their desire to be innovative, creative, you're taking away their hope, their desire, their dreams. What do they have left? And I think that that's what is adding to a large part of the mental illness that we're seeing. Instead of encouraging people and helping them to grow and through an education of something they like, we're taking that away and forcing them into something that they don't like. And then they wind up in places like our hospitals where they could care less about their patients. And that's a sad thing to say because many of the hospitals that I remember, the people were wonderful. This was very cold and very different and it it did not feel the same. So I'm I think that, uh, Dr. George, this is a, a real serious problem. And what can we do? How can, how can we make the people aware of what they're buying into? Well, I think it, it comes down to listening to that inner voice. If you're in a situation where the doctor is not attentive to you, where they are not listening to your problem, pushing you out the door, being judgmental, you need to vote with your pocketbook and you need to leave. The system would not have come online had the patients stood up and like they did when managed care first started and saying, this is not, we don't want to do this. And you know, ultimately, if you don't have the power of the purse, you don't have a lot of control in any situation, most specifically healthcare. So I'm here to let you know that there's a whole nother side. As I said, it's a two-tier system. If you find physicians like myself who are in private practice, solo practitioners, small group, where they're not affiliated with the hospital, meaning that they didn't, you don't have to go to the hospital to get their services, they're not owned by the hospital, and you need to ask when you call, frankly. Those are the doctors who have voluntarily, with intention, not participated in the system, because I think it's against the Hippocratic Oath, frankly. So if you're in a position where it's all about your bottom line and not about patient care, you shouldn't be in practice. But the only thing that props this up is the patient's feeling that they ha- there's no other choice or they can't afford it. And in let's and we're going to come back in, in a few minutes and talk about it. But I'd like to have the next segment that we talk about is solutions. But self-pay, the Christian sharing ministries, things like AFLAC, even I 
going to interview somebody on my show who's going to talk about if you get diagnosed with a catastrophic illness, that you can use your life insurance policy and cash it in and use that as as a means to pay for your for your health care. There's so many things out there that if you don't know, you can't make a conscious decision. And I'm all about solutions. I want my patients to, first of all, be comfortable to tell me what's wrong with them. And second, to know that there's more than one way to do things. Let's go back to the healthcare system for a second. One of the things that is driven by Karen is fear. So you fear that you're going to be bankrupted. You fear that you won't be able to afford the care. And so you just acquiesce or worse, you don't go into it. But it's, that's how the system is propped up. So I just told you the story of something costing $6,000 versus $300. Person left my office, not bankrupt, knowing what the problem was. We together figured out a way to fix it. And I'm going to get him better. So my goal as a small business owner is to make my customer happy. That's a whole different ballgame and a different mindset than a corporate entity that's getting paid by subsidies from the government. Every time you code something, you get money. They could care less because it's all about doing the same thing because you're getting rewarded. That's the difference. And I think patients, if you realize that, and you know that there are organizations like um, the American Association of Physicians and Surgeons, if you go to aapsonline.org, there's a list of doctors all over the country who are in private practice, who believe in the Hippocratic Oath, who are patient-centered, and who are about getting you better without bankrupting you. These are resources, for example, that you can go to. So, I mean, ultimately, the patient is, has the most power in this system. Now it's time for you to take it back. Yes, and that filters through to everything, folks. You can't be a spectator in what's going on right now if you expect things to get better. You have to participate and you have to be an advocate for the truth. And if, and I understand exactly what uh, Dr. George is saying because I remember when we first moved into our community um, and then uh, later on, we, we picked a doctor. He seemed to be great. Uh, that was fine. And then we had COVID. And then Governor DeSantis said, we don't have to wear a mask. Well, when I went to his office, I was told I had to wear a mask. And I said to him, why are you wearing a mask when you know a mask is not going to do any good? And his answer to me was, because if I don't, the hospital inspector will come by and they will take away my license, paycheck, whatever. And I thought, how horrible to be beholden to somebody who doesn't want to do you good. This was not about, to me, the, the masking was multiple fold. One, they got people not to talk to each other. And two, people made a lot of money selling masks. And three, they didn't work anyway. But that's another story. The whole idea was, if you're a doctor, I change doctors. Because I said to him, let me ask you a question. If I came to you and I said, um, I needed, I thought I was getting COVID and my friend and blah, blah, blah said I should use ivermectin. He said, what would you do? And he said, oh, I wouldn't be able to do anything. You have to go someplace else. And I said, thank you very much. I'm going someplace else. You have to ask and take charge. Am I correct, Dr. George? 
You're absolutely right. I mean, I think the patient, as I said a minute ago, have the most, the patient is the powerful one in this relationship. The doctor's goal and role is to be an advocate and to be a partner in your care. If they don't have that mindset and they're not willing to think outside the box and meet you where you are, obviously it's about you. You're coming for someone to help you. But if they're, they're adversarial and they don't want to listen to you, I don't believe that's conducive to a, 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 a positive doctor-patient relationship. And that's where you leave. You know, This system would stop being, it would stop running if patients stopped using it. They would have to change their mindset, their paradigm, if they want business. The fact that the patient money really isn't the end-all, be-all to the insurance money and the government money. We basically don't have a lot of power. And I, let me explain that. I've you know, talked to a lot of uh, small business owners who they pay for their own health care. So they're running it themselves and they use the insurance companies as their administrator. This whole system just opened my eyes to how this really works. As I said a few minutes ago, the insurance industry works by fear. So they have no problem with uh, cost of healthcare being through the roof, right? So when I first opened my practice, I went to one of the insurance companies and said, you know, I can do this procedure and see a patient in my office for the fraction of the cost. And can we get, you know, can we get a carve out? They didn't even listen to me because they don't care. So what Oof. they want to see is cost through the roof. So the patients get sticker shock. So the patient believes I can only access the system if I use an insurance company. Right? They don't care. They're still writing off whatever the amount is, but the amount needs to be high enough that the patient uses them. That's how this system works. It's based on false pricing. It's based on markups with no rhyme or reason to them. And again, I'll tell you another version of this. I'm a surgeon, right? If I take my patient to a freestanding surgery center, independent, and they pay cash, it was like $2,500 for a tonsillectomy, including my fee. Using their insurance, it costs them $6,000 to $10,000 for the same tonsillectomy, same surgeon, same instruments. Does this system make sense to you? Not at all. Hold Thank that you. thought. <laughs> Don't go away, folks. This is an eye-opener. Dr. George, we're going to have a break, but can you tell everyone your website and where they can find you? You can get my blogs by the book and also read what I've written in my podcast at Dr. George, Dr. Elena George, E-L-A-I-N-A, George like the man's name, dot com. Don't go away, folks. We'll be right back. You're listening to Karen Schoen. This is the Prism of America's Education brought to you on the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network with my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance. And make sure that you go to Dr. George's radio show as well called Living in the Solution. And that's what we're going to be talking about when we come back. What can we do about this mess that we have created? Don't go away. Be right back. You already know Genesis plus HOCL is your best defense against viruses. But did you also know it's the most powerful weapon for eliminating airborne mold too? Customers are raving about the Genesis Fogger's ability to tackle mold problems and the bad smells that go with them. And we all know mold is a hazard to your health. There's no airborne invader that Genesis can't handle. 
Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe, air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R.com. In 2008, the amount of concentrated time people could spend on a task without becoming distracted was 12 seconds. Five years later, it was only eight seconds, one second less than a goldfish. If you find yourself always distracted or having trouble recalling information, you're likely to fall behind in the demanding, fast-paced 21st century. In other words, brain performance is more critical now than ever. Boost your brain power with Healthy Cells Focus Plus Recall. Science-backed nootropics to sharpen focus, concentrate longer, enhance recall, improve mental speed, learn rapidly, and be more alert. It's a pill-free brain supplement made with maximum absorption technology designed to feed our brains at the cellular level. Take it for a test drive. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of Focus Plus Recall. That's HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Welcome back, everyone. Hope you had a great break. I did. I had some iced tea. And you know how when you put a little too much lemon in? Whoa, a little bit too tart. However, I just read. Oh, I have to share this story because this is, to me, is showing the dangers of what we are stepping into. A father was taking care of his son, and his son told dad he had a rash. Dad said, oh, let me see it. And he did have a rash around his privates. And it was a weekend. Doc, dad couldn't go anyplace, so he called a teledoc. The teledoc said, take a picture and send it to me so that I can see what the rash is, and this way I know what to prescribe. Dad did what he was told took the picture, sent it to the doctor. They decided what it was. And the, the young man got the ointment or the whatever it was that he needed to clear up the rash, everything wonderful, except daddy got arrested. The Google algorithm decided that the photograph was pornographic and therefore the father was involved in child porn. And it didn't matter that the doctor said, no, this is what happened. It didn't make any difference until they went to court. And the court, the jury had to decide that the man was not a pedophile. Mm. And why am I telling you this? Because we are losing our relationships with our people and especially our doctors. And when you don't have a relationship with your doctor, what do you do, Dr. George, living in the solution? <laughs> well, the first What's thing the is, solution? <laughs> it's, it's face to face. It's, well, in answer to your question, I think the first thing is having a face to face visit. 
I, you know, COVID has made everything less personal and these virtual visits, I don't think that's, that should be the baseline standard of care. It shouldn't be. There's no way that you can really diagnose somebody without actually examining them face to face. I understand if it's rural or better yet, you have a relationship with the patient and this is a follow-up for medication. That makes perfect sense to me. But to have this as an urgent care where somebody virtually is doing the exam and, and writing a prescription, I'm not sure that's necessarily a recipe for the best healthcare, but it is a great pipeline for writing a prescription. So the, the, the group or the entity that's benefited from this is Big Pharma, because I can imagine the, the amount of prescriptions that have been written have gone through the roof, as opposed to actually seeing somebody doing a history, knowing what, you know, more about their issue and, and getting to the root cause. Again, you know, medicine's a very personal thing. It's an art just as much as it's a science. And part of that art is listening and actually examining. I mean, I'm old school and we learned when we trained, you make your diagnosis after you do the history. Most of it is from the history itself. And it takes time and, <clears throat> excuse me, you have to know the questions to ask in order to come to your differential. And then you do your physical exam to confirm what you're thinking. That's all gone by the wayside. So you have people who, as I said, don't have a breadth of knowledge. And that goes for the doctors, too. The training is different now than when I was in medical school. You know, I've done shows where I've been told that people don't even take the Hippocratic Oath in some medical schools anymore. And that, to me, is the underpinning of healthcare: Do no harm. Have the fiduciary responsibility to the patient. Um, you know, it's about being the advocate not being a, a pipeline for a prescription or being the, 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 I guess, doing the bidding of the hospital administrator. And this is an interesting t statistic that I don't think people know about either. I think the, at least what years ago, the amount of administrators to doctors in a hospital, it was like something like 16 to one, or maybe it was 20 to one, but there's a boatload of administrators versus actual physicians. And the nursing profession has been nailed with this too. So instead of the nurses who we learned a great deal from when I was in training, those nurses are no longer really on the front line. They're either nurse administrators or they've left the profession. So you've all the people who actually learned about patient care, most of them are no longer on the front line. They've either left, they become administrators or they've gone on their own. So there's another answer to your question about why everything is so different, because it's all driven by numbers. You know, the hospital is only concerned with their bottom line. And even those that claim that they're not for profit, they're making more money than you can shake a stick at. So the amount of money that's floating in the hospital system is amazing, but it never seems to float to the patient. You know, if you have a freestanding surgery center, there's a percentage of patients that you must treat for free in order to maintain your status. I don't know if that goes on in the hospitals anymore. They don't seem to give anybody a break and it's just, you're on your own and they can just charge what they want and you're just stuck with it. But here's a little pearl for your patient, for your listeners, you know, we're about solutions. Let's say, God forbid you have to go into a hospital. The first thing I would do is go to the financial services part of the hospital and make a deal. 
this is how much money I'm going to pay you. Let's say you don't want to use your insurance. And I would start with this first. This is how much I'm going to give you. Let's make a deal. You'd be amazed how many, how much money you can get off of your cost of your healthcare if you're an advocate for yourself. And they're willing to make a deal with you because zero is better than, you know, something's better than zero, right? And payment arrangements and all these other things that, that actually exist instead of you being nailed by the hospital. Another thing you can also do is get the printout and itemized bill. So you can see whether they've triple charged you, charge you for things that you've never had. It's amazing how many mistakes they make. I have a, a colleague who works with Medicare patients and it's a free service actually. And they can send him their bill and he can go through it and be an advocate for the patient. And he saved Medicare patients of, you know, thousands of dollars from being overcharged and charged for things that they never had. So the mistakes go on. These are computer driven uh, financial statements that come out. Take a look at it. You'll be amazed. And when you bring it to their attention, they usually fold. Now, do you advocate seeing, you know, multiple doctors to get a diagnosis? Absolutely. So you mean second opinions? Yes, second opinions. Absolutely. I, I no would, question. Okay, and I would, I if I were everybody, I would make sure that that second opinion came from a doctor not affiliated with the same hospital. Because Absolutely. if you go to the same place, you'll get the same answer, correct? I would go out even further. So instead of a hospital system, see if you can get a private independent physician to, to give you a second opinion. And if that doesn't exist, then absolutely go to a different hospital system. You know, we have three in Atlanta. So there's, I'd leave one, all their affiliates and go to the different system if I had to. But honestly, I would go the private route first. Yes. And when you find a private doctor, <clears throat> cherish them and be thankful because right now they are becoming a dinosaur. The goal and objective is to eliminate the doctors because they have a plan. And for those of you that may have forgotten the death panels that were in Obamacare, they are still there and they're coming up with a new name called euthanasia. Same deal, same thing, same idea, same program. The whole goal is to get rid of you because they tell us over and over and over again how they want to depopulate the planet because there's too many of us that uh, they don't, they can't control all of us. There's just too many of us. Of course, that's not what they say. They say there's too many of us because there's not enough food. And they're trying to do their darndest to make sure that our treatments are stretched out. And from what Dr. George, from what you're saying, they're doing this strictly because of money. Well, you know, you have just again, a number. We'll follow the money. You're getting paid for codes, right? So under, well, let's go back for a second. You said that they do euthanasia, but there's a euphemism for it. It's called comfort care. So if you hear that, start running, <laughs> right? So that's what it means now. They've just kind of made it a little bit sweeter in terms of how they term it, but it's still the same thing. But if you think about the way the hospitals are paid, they're paid on codes. 
and the codes from the WHO came out during the whole COVID crisis, you got paid as a hospital for saying someone had COVID. There was a code for some thinking that someone might have COVID. There's a code for that. There was a code for uh, whether you would take an, a vaccine or wouldn't take a vaccine. All these things are coded and they're all payment based. So it's very mercenary. It's not very private. And you're at the mercy of what the codes are. You don't even know what they are. I think they, people just put them down and patients are in a little bit of a black hole. The sad part is most people couldn't even visit loved ones during this whole COVID rollout. And so the patient was on their own. And I think the best thing you can do, honestly, is to stay out of the system and stay healthy. And that means now personal responsibility must come into play. You have to keep your immune system as, as aggressive as it can be. You need to supplement and multivitamins are important, specifically vitamin D, C, zinc, something called quercetin, something called N-acetylcysteine. All of these things work in tandem to help boost your immune response, help fight if you do get infected with virus or bacteria, helps the, the body mount a response. And they're all natural and they're reasonably priced. So you don't have to be priced out of things. So instead of waiting to get sick, I'm a big proponent of make your, make your immune system more aggressive, make it more of a barrier and don't get sick. Stay, do what you can to stay healthy, which keeps you out of this system completely. And that is it. How interesting, because here we are saying, I'm saying, get your child out of education system. And Dr. George is saying, get your body and yourself and your family out of the healthcare system, both run by the government. What's wrong with this picture? We have to take responsibility. This is our lives. It's not the government's life because all they will do is mess it up, as we can very well see that's exactly what they are doing. And that's their goal. You know, and I, I strongly believe that all of this goes full circle when we don't demand high demands, when we accept um, uh, lowering the bar, when we allow that to become the norm, then everything suffers. It's not just our health care, it's our health as well. Because mistakes, more mistakes are made, not less. We used to be to teach to and to become and excel and be the best we can be and be excellent. We don't hear that anymore. And that's no, very sad. And I think that has a lot to do with the, the mental problems, I think a lot of these kids are bored and then they wind up on drugs. Well, I can't argue with you there. My mom was a teacher and any kid that was, and I, you know, I would have been labeled ADHD probably when I was a kid because it was boring. So I would talk in class. I needed, it needed to be harder. And mm -hmm. there, I can't imagine how many kids fall into that catchment of they're just not stimulated. And so they're they're distracted. And, you know, in, in the public school system in New York, the teachers were telling the parents back in the day that they should put their child on some sort of medication in order to come to class. This is not, I mean, everybody's a doctor now. So you have people making diagnosis that 
haven't assessed the child, making pronouncements and getting back up by the system. I mean, a parent, I don't know how parents do it, frankly, in this day and age. But that, again, that voice that tells you that this is not right, you need to start listening to it and make your own decisions that benefit your family. It's not anymore about take one for the team or you're not a good citizen, you're a mean person if you don't want to go along and get along. I don't, I'm not a proponent of hurting yourself in order to try to make, to placate somebody. And that's what's going on now. It's going on, as you said, in the education system, it's going on in the healthcare system. And I, I don't understand somebody who just to keep a job, just to get along would go against their own, their own voice in their head or put a patient at risk, put themselves at risk. I think we all need to take a step back at this point and start doing things for the right reason, not because we're told what to do. It's a totally different ballgame. And we leave the media out of this system because they're integrated in, in it. If you watch the news, you just look at who's running the commercials. They're being underwritten by Big Pharma. Every single commercial is a Big Pharma commercial. How can they possibly be, um, you know, not judgmental or not have a dog in the hunt. And that's where people need to just be critical. Critical thinking, I think, is key. That's a skill that I think has been educated out of people, don't you? Oh, absolutely. There are no basic skills that are being taught. So common sense, critical thinking, prioritizing, respect, mm -hmm. and you know, morality and values are now out the window because this is no longer important. Uh, do what you want. Make sure that you fit in the right ethnic group, but you can do whatever you want once you're there, as long as some of the group is doing the same thing because everything is based on the group. There is no more individualism. And I feel that that is a big, big loss as well. These programs, to me, that are in our schools are not, they're teaching to one side of the brain. They're teaching to the euphoric, to the emotion, to that part of the brain. They're not teaching to the logic and reason and critical thinking. So when you don't use something, what happens? You put it in the drawer and you forget about it. So if your brain was like a file cabinet in the drawer marked uh, common sense, that drawer would be closed. Nobody would be looking. These are the tools that have to be taught. And if we don't teach them, how do these people learn? And obviously they're not, not learning just by the lack of common sense that's running this country. Well, it's also being driven by fear, right? So if you yes, and back to fear, against, it goes back, but I don't live in fear. God runs my life. And I know what morally is the right thing to do. Nobody's going to take me off that path. And I think there are a lot of people who do think that way, but they're not they're not out there and they're not being taking their power back individual. I mean, I, I'm not a big fan of being part of a group. I'm an individual. Doesn't matter what you look, it's just a shell, whatever our skin color, whatever. It's about what your heart is, what your humanity is. That's the most important thing. That's what ties us together. And we've allowed silly things like color of your skin, who you sleep with, what your religion is, 
to divide us. But we all need to be mindful that we all want the same thing. We're humans first, right? We want to be respected. We want to pursue what our God-given talents are. How hard is that? And when you really start to talk to people, instead of looking at what the what they're supposed to think based on what they look like, amazing how much you have in common with people. But they don't want us to talk to each other. So what we need to do is break that paradigm. Stop. And just look at everybody as an individual. Treat people like you'd want to be treated. And it comes right back to you. It's amazing. I see awesome people every day in my practice. They're all different, but they all we all work together. And I don't see that as a barrier. And that's what people need to start doing. Forget this stuff that's being thrown at us. And let's just go back to where we were as kids. Who cared what someone looked like? Either you, they were your friend or they weren't, right? It was very straightforward when you were a kid, wasn't it? Oh, absolutely. Either, right, either you were with me or you weren't. Either you were in my circle or you weren't. And who was in my circle were people that that are were like-minded of me. Mm-hmm. Yes, we had our differences, but basically we were the same. We loved our families. We loved our country. We loved our school. We had a good time. We learned. We did our homework. We were not bad kids. We did stupid things occasionally, but we were kids. We could call growing up. Kid button, right. (laughs) I mean, we're all that way now. I mean, this is not any different technically than when we were growing up. We just need to come back to that. Well, I would like, you know what I would like to see, Dr. George? I would like to see every parent take every device away from any kid that is in K through five. There is absolutely no reason why a K through five child needs to have a device when they can't read. Oh, you've got a perfectly excellent point there. You know, I've interviewed people on the developmental side and they're saying that children who don't, who are on the computer all the time, they, they can't read and visualize, for example. I remember reading books, still do, and I'm not reading the page anymore. I can visualize what's going on. These kids can't do that. Their attention span is gone. They don't have imagination. It's very, you know, short attention spans. That's a recipe for someone to swoop in and tell them, this is how you should think. That person's your enemy. You're a victim, but you're special. This is like, it's, I don't know how kids do it. They're getting so bombarded with so many things. And I would say, I'm going to extrapolate that. It's not just the kids. The medical students are also having this issue. Residents are also having this issue. They know that you didn't go into a profession to hurt people. And the suicide rate amongst medical students and, and, and residents is higher and doctors practicing is higher than it's ever been. Oh, no sad. one talks about that. No. It's because it's against your character. You go into medicine to do something for humanity, not to destroy it. So... This is, this is a huge problem. And ultimately, I think we all need to take a stand and we need to do something and not wait for someone else to do it. It comes down to the inju- individual and the personal responsibility all across the board. That is on everything, folks. It is always the individual and its personal responsibility. And if you don't learn that, when you, that's what your family should be teaching you, that you are the individual and it is your goal to learn and then to be able to make 
choices based on what you have learned. And then to be able to take all those choices and even if some were wrong and learn from them and grow and that's how you grow. So Dr. George, um, we're at the end of our show and this is really sad because I'm having such a good conversation with you. So I'm going to hope that you'll come back again. I'd love to. And please tell everyone where they can find your show and the network and everything. It's, uh, it runs on libertytalk.fm on Saturdays and Sundays live. It runs on all the platforms, whether that's iTunes, um, Spotify, that sort of thing. But you can always go to my website, Dr. Elena George. That's D-R-E-L-A-I-N-A, George, like the man's name, dot com. And all my podcasts are listed there, plus um, blogs that I wrote in the past that have actually started to come to light. And truth, unfortunately, about Affordable Care Act, the healthcare system, and there are links that people can go to on on our all our shows. There's links to what the guests, their their podcasts, their web pages. It's a wealth of information. And I mentioned before about if you have any kind of catastrophic illness, and I mentioned a life insurance buyers. It's a company that helps you convert your life insurance to cash, and that's lifeinsurancebuyers.com. Just in case anybody knows of or god forbid is going through catastrophic medical issues you don't have to be bankrupted you have a lot of choices and if you have money you have the you have the pocketbook the power of the purse and it's not going to cost you a dime to do that well thank you so much and folks please do go to dr elena george's website you'll find a wealth of information and this is a lady who is not afraid to tell the truth And I have read some of her articles. They are terrific. She's not afraid to say a political statement has much to do with the way we look at medicine. And medicine should not be politically motivated. So please go to visit her website. Thank you so much, Dr. George. I really appreciate having you on. It has been wonderful. And we will see you back again. Well, folks, I hope you enjoyed our talk. Um, She is an incredible wealth of information. And it's very important that we understand that our world is changing dramatically and quickly. And if we want to be part of that change for the good, we have to be involved. If we want to get rid of the change for the bad, we have to be involved. So no matter what happens, we have to be involved. There's no choice anymore. We have to pay attention to the people we elect and make sure that they are accountable for the things that they said they were going to do before we elected them. How many of them have come into office and forgot why they were there, how they got there, and who helped them to get there. And then they don't listen. We have to make sure they listen and they understand. We have to make sure they understand the dangers of critical race theory, i.e. SEL, which is social emotional learning, which is driving our schools into oblivion, into an abyss where our children will be turned out like little drones and they will only be able to have the sense that AI gives them. And that's very scary. We now have AI in every single thing that we do. We are all being driven by algorithms. And the way these algorithms work, remember folks, 
They are programmed by man. So if man is evil and puts in an evil program, guess what? We will have evil. So we have to make sure what is happening and pay strict attention and start disconnecting yourself from some of those devices. Because if they have their way, we won't have them. We won't be able to use them. And we will only be directed by what they allow. This is going on in every single industry in our country. Everything is being run by AI. That's why the prices are going so high, because AI is being programmed in the worst case scenario, not taking into consideration human ingenuity. Folks, this is going to be a heavy deal that we have facing us, and we have to be prepared. Be prepared with food, be prepared with being able to exist in your life without devices. Well, folks, I hope you have a wonderful week, and we have lots of things to continue to talk about. But most important, this one is on us. This is our responsibility. If we're going to get the country back, it's up to us to do it. I know we can. I have every confidence in the American people. Thank you all for listening. This is Karen Schoen. You have been listening to the Prism of America's Education brought to you on the America Out Loud talk radio network with my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance, who's working very hard to get these horrible programs out of our schools. Please pay attention to the Alliance. Join the Alliance. You don't have to be in Florida, but we want to share information. Sharing of the truth is the only way that we will get our country back. Thank you all for listening. See you again next week. But I'll always stand proud and free. I'm American.